go. Thank you for listening to Only the Important Stuff. I'm your host, Jeff Heinrich. It is Monday, September 11th, 2023. Uh, truly appreciate all of you for coming along on this journey with me. <clears throat> Hope everybody had a fantastic week. First week back to school, I think for most of us, and uh, is enjoying this beautiful fall weather. It's, in my opinion, my favorite weather that we're enjoying right now. Great golfing weather, pants, quarter zips, some hoodies. It's excellent. As always, super excited for today's guest. Looking forward to having a cocktail or two uh, with this gentleman and getting to know him a little bit better. Somebody I went to high school with, uh, but didn't really become close until uh, after high school, many years later. But all that being said, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Tony Wolverton. How the hell are you doing, brother? Hey, good, Jeff. Thanks for having me, man. This is like season two, right, of your podcast, essentially? I guess you could call it that. Just incredibly right. long seasons, like very long, drawn out. You know, people are starting to wondering, wonder when it's going to end. Yeah, season two, first episode, season two. Let's go. Oh, that's cool. No, I'm excited to be here. It's been fun listening to your other podcasts, and man, I'm excited to be here. So let's get this started. Yeah, let's do it, dude. Well, I mean, we got to start. It's it's what I ask all my friends who are on. What are you drinking tonight, if anything? A little gin and juice. Uh, I got some. Uh, Tangeray and tonic here, so yeah, it's kind of my go-to sometimes. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Life is good. No more Red Bull vodkas, huh? Or monster well, vodka. That's if I want to get a little crazy. But right. That's uh, yeah, maybe if there's a concert in the works or something, I need a little energy or yes. long day teaching the the kids of tomorrow. So yeah, absolutely. So that might be to pick me up if I need that for a late night boost. Right on, right on. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we're both. Uh, we both kind of have some eyes glued to some local high school football, which is kind of strange, right? I yeah, don't know if we ever thought we'd be here, but you're uh, you're watching Maple Grove, right? Or keeping an eye on the score, or are you watching? They are. No, I've got it. I've got it here to the side. Uh, my son's there right now watching. He plays football. He's a sophomore. He's not on this team for varsity, but mm-hmm. he's there watching. It's a big game. They're behind now. I think they were favored to win, but you never know in football. Absolutely. No, you lost. So, who did? It happen the Chiefs. You know, they oh, lost to yeah. the Lions. So it can happen to anyone. Yeah, any day, any given, any day, any location, you name it. Right? Yeah, that's the best part about football. Um, but it is cool, you know, seeing Nick now coaching for Wyzetta and helping right. them out. I was so gonna I say, feel like they have the lead now, right? So that's cool to see them. Let's check in on that one. Oh no, they're down 22-21 with two oh, minutes my gosh. to go. All right. Well, keep keep tabs. Let me let me know. Keep me updated on that. Yeah, and I'm I also have my eye on. You remember Ben from Arizona, right? Oh yeah, yeah, great dude. Yeah, so he's coaching down there now. Uh, oh well. He's the OC at a five A school, and they're playing kind of a, a ranked school tonight. It's their third game. They're one on one. So I got my eye on that off to the side. Well, yeah. Well. yeah. Oh dude. gosh. It's wild. Yeah, you bring it right to like turn back the clock. Like you kind of, it's usually just all about the Vikings and all about the NFL. But now that we've got kids that are that age and we've got Nick's now coaching, it's we're back to high school. And you're going to be there before you know it, Jeff. Jesus. I can just see Jackson playing Ugh. for Rogers football someday. It's going to happen. We'll see. We'll see. He's He's into it. You know, he's into football. He's into baseball. I think baseball, he likes more right now but honestly i think that's probably just because they had some success this year 
Whereas sure. most of the football that he's on, you know, it's hit and miss, which is, I don't know. But he also finished second this year. They went they went on a run in the playoffs and lost the championship game by one in overtime. So it's like, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, he's he's. You're, I'm sure you remember that age where interests flip flop at the change of seasons, right? Oh my, they sure do. Yeah, they uh, like we have. You know, my oldest. Henrik was, uh, all, you know, was a goalie in hockey for years and years and years. That was kind of his identity. We knew Henrik mm-hmm. the goalie, and then just out of nowhere, he just kind of, kind of lost passion. Which I get. That's what happens with kids. And he wanted to try snowboarding, and before you know it, he became a pretty good snowboarder. And he lettered for varsity in Maple Grove. And like, oh my gosh! And the kid's just so fluid. He's so smooth. That's wild. Um, like riding rails and things I would totally injure myself doing, but it's really cool to see him have success and just love it. Like he just lives on the, the hill. Yeah. Usually on Creek or Highland, but right. he wants to go every day. And it's, you can't uh, think of anything greater for a kid if they find their passion at a young age sports wise. Right. right. So well, for sure. Yeah. I remember when you, you know, I'd see some of those videos on Instagram and I was like, Holy cats, man. Like that's good for him. Right. Um, it was always something that, you know, Charlie and I were into it. You know, we enjoyed it. We were terrible, right? Like we're six three, clunky. Uh, <laughs> you know, kind of lost out there on that board. But yeah, like seeing him do that, it's like man, that's dope. Like it's super cool, and he picked it up quick. It's one of those weird sports too that first day is awful, right? And then you get right. it, like the mm-hmm. second day, and then it's just about pushing those limits and for sure seeing what's next, right? Like. <laughs> Yeah, it's like anything. If you just get enough reps in, like that's what he did. He just got tons of reps, got confidence, and then he just, you know, every day he's trying something new and he's learning from that. But, mm-hmm. you know, it started at Humble Beginnings. My uh, brother-in-law, Dave, who's married to my sister Jill out in Washington, he was a snowboard instructor for many years. So he was the oh. very first one to teach Henrik nice. how to snowboard. And like you said, he was falling. It was ugly. It's awful. I'm like, I don't know what this is going to take with him. And then Literally, Jeff, give it a week, and you found it, Yeah, and never look back, and now it looks like he's been doing it since he's three or something, but it's only been a year or two, so. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I remember my first lesson, and Charlie would, would say this as well, and I, I, I feel like I've told this to anybody who's tried to pick it up, no matter how coordinated you are, and like what experience you might have on like a wakeboard, because that's probably the most similar uh, sure. activity where you're steering with a heel you know like and your back foot it's kind of it's different right um mm-hmm. there is nothing you can do on that first day that you're that's going to make you get it you just you just have to eat it that first day and then the second day you yeah. go back and you're like oh now for some reason like I know how to do this a little bit better and then it just progressively gets better and better and better it's yeah that's awesome that's super cool um yeah. I want to get into the kid stuff. And I mean, I guess we're talking about it. So who cares, right. But like hockey, I feel like you and I had a little bit of a similar take on it where we weren't necessarily pushing it, but yeah, we, we also didn't want to introduce it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I am get uh, 100% blame for this. So I, uh, I think I got from one of my students' families, 
I like to do brain breaks in my classroom. So I keep my classroom active. So we're, I have a basketball hoop in my classroom Nice. and I have like, we do other types of things where we're throwing a ball around. It's called silent ball and kids are moving. Yeah. And I had a family once say, Hey, would you ever be interested in having some knee hockey? I'm like, Oh my gosh, that'd be kind of cool. I know I have hockey players and Rogers and they love that. So they brought a knee hockey, but they gave me a full set and I didn't need that in yeah. my room. So I brought one home and that was the end of it. So I made knee hockey fun for the boys and they just thought it was the coolest thing playing against each other as brothers playing against me, uh, doing a lot better and scoring a lot of goals on me. But then that was kind of like that first kind of interest in hockey and it was kind of a fun thing and it was Mm -hmm. simple to do. And then, uh, one of Hendrick's good buddies, uh, played goalie that same age. And this is like when they were eight or nine. Yeah. So the rest is history. He's like, dad, I want to play hockey. I'm like, Oh, kind of like you're saying like, uh, I don't know about right. this. I hear hockey is quite the intense, you know, life style. And know? it was and right. Yeah, it, it sure is. And I, I never, we never played it in high school, no. but I, uh, I was kind of intimidated by it. It just seemed like, wow, that's a lot. So anyway, he tried it, but then, you know, the first practice, you know, maybe tough skating and, um, but he started to love it. And then he thought goaltending was this thing and he actually showed promise in that. And then mm-hmm. that's where he took off and he found success and it's kind of cool. He had some really cool moments as a kid getting to play in state. Uh, I think it was as a squirter peewee, I forget, but yeah. I mean, it's really fun. You start to learn like the hockey culture. Yes. There is some crazy parts of it for sure. Yeah. But there are some really cool families that we're really close friends with today. Uh, you know, Lions, obviously. So great yeah. Lions and their family. We wouldn't have met them without hockey. Sure. And so stuff like that, you get to meet some really cool people. And then you also meet some parents that get kicked out of games and then they disguise themselves to come back in. <laughs> so the refs don't see them. So like you see it all, right? You see every single thing, but right. Uh, we won't talk about Edina. Sorry, Joe. But yeah. We saw fans yeah. do that. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's good. And, um, and sometimes, you know, that passion for the sport goes away, like we said. So he, yeah. uh, Henrik kicked it. Andrew still loves it. Okay. Um, a lot of it's about just with buddies, though, like for anything sure. social to be with friends. And mm-hmm. I think you could relate to that, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, I know you love baseball growing up. I kind of did, too. That was my thing. That's what I had a passion for. But having friends like it, too, like then it was set, you know. Yeah. So I'm going to play it all the time then. Yeah, it makes it a thousand times better, and I feel like I uh, kind of tagged along in basketball, right, just because it's what all my friends did, you know, like that's what our whole little group was doing, so it's like, yeah, I'll go out for basketball, you know, I I, I knew, like my dad, my dad told me, like, I'm not going to play you, like there's just no world in which uh, well, I shouldn't say there's no world. He, he just said like straight up, like you have to be head and shoulders better than everybody that I'm going to play you in front of. And I was like, ah, that's cool. You know, I'm just here for the ride, you know, hang out yeah. with Nick on the end of the bench and we get in, you know, when somebody get in foul trouble and, you know, do our part and go back and hang out and, you know, with Chad and see how much water we could drink and who would have to pee first, you know, like <laughs> rub leg hair against each other doing like stupid shit, right? Like just, uh-huh. just hanging out with your buddies. Yeah, like absolutely. That was my like hanging out with my friends' sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so sticking on hockey, 
the time commitment is just bananas though, right? Even at yeah. a young age, did you, and it's something that I'm super fascinated by for, for kids. Cause I feel like we grew up in a time when you just played whatever was in season and you didn't like, you weren't going to 20,000 camps, you know, personal training sessions with coaches. Like, could you have imagined like growing up and like somebody on our baseball team having a hitting coach, a pitching coach and a fielding coach outside of baseball season? No, I would have thought they're crazy. And Correct. what are you doing? Right. Yeah. And, and that's what, you know, hockey is. We have friends that their kid has not stopped hockey since the winter. They just go, uh, league after league to camp after camp and I'm not putting it down. It's just not for us. Like we, yeah. our family, we just, I think because of the way we grew up, I'm like, I would just get burned out as a kid personally. Like I, I would resent that sport. So, uh, you know, we've kind of instilled in the boys, like try something new, kind of like how we grew up. Like mm-hmm. it's fall season. They take Anders out golfing all the time. Now it's like the right. perfect time to get outdoors. Uh, there's nothing better than fall golf. And, yep. you know, instead of just going to the rink, going to the rink. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, kudos to those that can do it. And maybe their kid will be the next Gretzky. But I don't know. For me, I want some balance. I, I right. need that personally in my life. And I know my kids are fairly similar to me that way, that mm-hmm. they do something too much, too long. They're going to they're gonna burn out. Yeah. Yeah. And I almost wonder, like, for Henrik, right, that I wonder if the – even without going crazy into it, the, mm-hmm. the commitment that is required for hockey up here in where it feels like it, maybe it's not year round, but it's like nine months. Yeah. Um, maybe that burned him out. It could have. You know what I mean? And made him say, yeah, I want to find something else because there's more to it. There's more to this life. <laughs> and it is high pressure, right? To be the goalie. Like- for sure. If you mess up as a forward, if you are a center, or you mess up, you know, maybe even on D, not everyone's going to see it, but everyone knows when that goal scored For and they sure. all look at the goalie, even though it might not have been his fault. It might've been the fifth breakaway in a row. Um, but my wife and I were always, when Henrik was playing and we saw breakaway after breakaway, we're just like bracing, like, Oh gosh, yeah. deep breath. come on. For sure. So it's tough. Being a goalie parent is like to another level as well. Um, yeah. Because when we watch our youngest son, Andrew, skate around, we don't care at all now. It's just fun. Like, we don't have to have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're laughing and enjoying it. But when he's a goalie, oh, man, the pressure's there, and they feel it. So I think it's that, Jeff, added with, mm-hmm. yeah, like, we took Henrik. He did goalie camps in the summer. Uh, we weren't saying you have to do this or anything, but you got to kind of keep up a little bit. You feel that pressure. you got to keep up or absolutely. you're going to drop down a level. Right. Uh, so he did do the camps, you know, it's three days, maybe four in the summer each week. And you're going for three hours a day. Mm-hmm. And you, we thought we had some flexibility, like, Hey, you don't have to go all these four days. We, we thought we would give him that kind of break a little bit, but you could tell he started to not want to go Oof. and you could just see, all right, something's going on here. I sure. think he's, he's near the end. So, yeah. And then, you know, we like, oh man, you're not playing hockey this year. We were a little bummed, but hey, you just got to, you got to do something though. Mm-hmm. And like, I want to do snowboarding. Like, perfect. So. And pick up a guitar. Oh my gosh. This kid's Dude, life. Which right is now. the coolest thing. It is so cool. <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> like, this kid's got great hair. I don't have that. He's got, 
He's got the looks. He's got snowboarding. And now he's playing guitar. And he, like, I don't know, a biased dad, right? Always going to be biased. But he can play all these little riffs and yeah. goes from Nirvana. Then he goes and he's playing, like, Johnny Be Good. Like, he plays all these random different genres. And I think it's so cool. And he'll just say, hey, Dad, what's the song you really like? And I'll just mention... Oh. Something and like I said, under the bridge, right out chili peppers. And then all he shuts his door in his bedroom, and I could just hear him working it, working it, working it. And then later that night, I remember I was like, I think it was just last week, Jeff, and um, it was kind of late, and I was going to bed, and it was like 11 something at night. Uh And I hear him hit it, he gets under the bridge, nails it the first like 20 seconds. And while I should be saying go to bed, I yelled out, good job. Nice. <laughs> so it's so cool. So Heck he, yeah. uh, I think he finds a lot of joy because he's the type of kid that doesn't necessarily want to coach, you know, telling what to do all the time. He doesn't like that. He wants to just kind of do his own thing. So yeah. like being a guitar player, being a snowboarder, it's just him and the guitar, him in the mountain or the hill. And that's kind of cool. It's, I wasn't like that, but yeah. I kind of see, you know, why he'd be interested. So absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, you just you. I think you nailed it on the head there, right? Like both of those two uh, pursuits are very creative, right? Like it's yeah. try test, right? Like, can I do something new with this sound? Can I do uh, a new way to like come off this rail? Like, and you're just like experimenting, right? And it's experiment mm-hmm. and fail get back up, try it again. And until you figure it out, that's, oh man, that's awesome. Like how, how did he start to teach himself or how did he learn to play guitar? Did he teach himself or did you give him lessons or what? Zero. And I even saw zero of that hits all on his own. He uses a phone, he uses an app and it kind of like tells him which chords to play. Uh, I know nothing about guitar, um, but I do have uh, some cousins that actually have a band job. Um, and it's called gray shot. I don't know if they're together anymore cause they're all a little bit older and they have kids and I think sure. the band isn't going, but they're really good musicians and they both are really good at guitar, great singers. And I even had, uh, one of my cousins, uh, Aaron say, Hey, if Henrik ever wants to learn a few things with guitar, let, you know, you know, let me know. I'd love to meet with him. And I told Henrik like, what a great opportunity. Like he played, he played in a band. Do you want to learn from him? And like, oh, I kind of want to do my own thing, dad. I'm like, geez, you had a great opportunity to learn, but I guess I get it. He just wants to do his own path. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, he's, uh, he's fun though. He's teenagers are, are different. It's unique. Yeah. But it, uh, it's a cool, cool way to parent because I, I never envisioned myself uh, being a parent of a teenager for some reason. I always thought they'd be little and they'd always look up to you and they'd just kind of do what you said and you'd have fun when they're a teenager they're obviously growing up to be an adult and yeah and they have their own opinions and they want to do their own stuff and yeah and you know that's it's kind of cool like you know i fail as a parent half the time with the teenager because i always expect them to like yeah i don't know figure it out figure or, it out but know what they're doing I also, yeah i also uh love that he's independent so yeah because how old cool. is he now is he he's 13 he's almost a driver so he's going to, uh, he's got a New Year's Eve birthday. So he'll be 16 and driving in January. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother. 
other thing but i'm starting to get it like i've talked to some parents like are you nervous and like no it's amazing once they get a car they can drive themselves to practice they can yeah you know drive their sibling and i think you have to get over the hump of being scared which i think everyone naturally has sure once they can start to drive around and i don't know i i I do see actually the 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 benefits of it are going to be great yeah, uh, tons of benefits. Yeah, if you, mm-hmm. as you said, like if you can get over that hump, right? Like he can take himself to the hill every day, snowboard, mm-hmm. go pick up his brother, uh, take him wherever, right? Kind of gives you guys a little bit of a break, no doubt about it. And then Anders, right? So what? He he's twelve. Anders is twelve. And yeah, yeah. Like, what are the differences in those two, like personality wise, or are they the same? Very similar. Nope. Nope. They are not at all. Yeah. They have some similarities, but they are totally different kids. Like sure. Hendrick's Mr. Independent and Anders is Mr. Goofball, but like very serious with sports and very calm demeanor. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, we've talked about Anders and you've played golf with them, but he, uh, man, he's just my like golf buddy. He's just so fun. And you know, we golf today. Like we went right after work. We, he wanted to go to rush Creek and play that par three course, the Mac nine. Um, and we have little fun contests. And, uh, so we play our own ball. Then we do a scramble together. Then we do a worse ball scramble and he's just grinding out there. He just loves it. He wants to try flop shots every hole and he, but he doesn't get super mad. Like, I don't know, as a kid, I was pretty easy going, but I was, I think I get a lot more flustered than he does. Yeah. And Henrik doesn't like golf at all because he's more of a perfectionist, but Anders just loves it. And he's had some success as a 12 year old. So mm-hmm. that's pretty cool too, to win a couple tournaments and Hell that yeah. gives you confidence and yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. So, so he's the goofy kid. He's the more okay. competitor, okay. Uh, but he also is calm. Yeah. It's a little, little different. Yeah. I, I'll say like, you know, cause, so we played together, you and I played together this summer and our kids were there, which was honestly for me, like one of the coolest experiences mm-hmm. I've had as a dad, like getting Jack to go out and he was like all about it for the full 18 holes, which yeah. I was a little worried, like, okay, you know, he's never really done more than three before because his sister's usually in tow and sure. she could care less about (laughs) golf right she's just out there like all of a sudden you'll find her like trying to climb a tree right when we're supposed to be golfing and Mm -hmm. but yeah like super cool experience and I just remember like watching Anders like as you said he'd maybe he'd miss a shot and he'd just be like you know like you could you could tell there was some like eating him up but then uh, he almost hits a hole in one (laughs) first of all misses it by two inches oh my gosh yeah hole eight or eight or i think that's what it was but yeah yeah misses it by two inches and you and i are like freaking <laughs> out we're like oh my god that's so awesome and you just look at his face and he's just got a smile on his face he's like yeah. you know yeah. like <laughs> what's cool. new what's new like, uh-huh. <laughs> like yeah man no joe that was one of my favorite times golfing ever like you're obviously you know your kids are just adorable but uh, seeing Jack just light up and having fun golfing with his dad and seeing, Super you know, fun. a buddy Anders golfing. And that was such a, a great time. And, yeah. and, you know, kids can do it. Like if they're in the right environment and they have a, a golf cart 
you know, the ride in, mm-hmm. they can for sure do 18 holes and see why we love it so much. Just for me, that's kind of my therapy is just getting out, being in nature, doing mm-hmm. something competitive for sure. Uh, and then obviously if you can hang out with family, it makes it even better. So absolutely. Yeah, that, was, that was a great, great time. That was super fun, man. And he almost beat you that day. Oh he has, he has beat you, right? Yeah, yeah, it's on a par three course, but the same tee boxes, he's legit beat me two twice now. He shot one under both of those times at the par three, which just like, wow. And I'm trying my hardest. Yeah. Trust me. I don't want him to, t- like, it's too early. You can't start beating me at 12, you punk. Right. But like He did. He did. That was his most excitable moment, uh, even more than a hole-in-one and more than winning a tournament. It was beating dad. He was more sure. like, Let's go, pump, you know, pump fist, and yeah. that was pretty cool. Pretty so, cool moment. For some context, <laughs> you're an insanely good golfer, like <laughs> as an amateur, right? Like clearly, you don't do it professionally, um, but it, for someone who has who does not do that for a living, in my opinion, like you're the probably one of the best golfers I've ever seen, right? Like you, you score, you can score, you never get in trouble. Um, you know, I'll just, what, a two or a three, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in that range. Right. So it's, it's, you're a really good golfer and to have a 12 year old (laughs) be able to keep up with you and beat you is wild to me. (laughs) I, uh, he humbles me quite a bit, but he, uh, he keeps me going too. Cause I'm like, man, I got to keep up my short game. I got to keep up my skills. If I, yeah. I don't want this to overtake me too bad here. So, but no, you're too kind. There are uh, way, 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 way better golfers than I am. And it's fun to play with those guys that are just crazy plus twos or threes or fours. And they're light sure. years better than I am. And then we've talked this with uh, the text chain, how those twos and those plus twos and fours get destroyed when they play the mm-hmm. actual road. So, right. Thank you for the compliment, but yes, for like an amateur guy, yeah, I, I totally love playing and uh, and I enjoy kind of the thrill of hitting a good shot and it keeps you coming back and um, you're and we've had some good times on the golf course. You are insanely frustrating to play against, <laughs> um, because you do you do a lot really really well and now we're just going to talk golf apparently um but you do a lot really really well right and i think like probably the most impressive thing uh you know like you don't hit the ball 370 yards you're not a magician with a wedge right like you know you're not doing crazy shit but like you'll get into what if you're playing against you you're like oh he's in trouble like i got this i just gotta par out and you're like under a tree or in a sand trap, you can't see the hole. And, you know, two shots later, you're tapping in for par, and I'm doing the same. And it's like, how the fuck did that happen? <laughs> like, how did that happen? And it happens all the time. Oh, all the God. time. It's so frustrating. <laughs> I Well, I do feel those moments like, oh, I bet I really ticked off you or whoever that was. Because I remember we were with Chuck. It was at GFD two years ago. You were with Rocky. Yeah. I don't know if you remember this, but we had not great drives on kind of a tight dog leg left. Yeah. And one ball was closer to the hole, but it was kind of a behind a tree and you had to be, you had to hit like a perfect shot. And I said, Chuck, let's go back. It's, a, it's, 
it's a little bit more open. We got to hit a big fade, but we have a shot. Yeah. I remember hitting a good one and it went up on the green, I don't know, to like 10 feet and you and Rocky are just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. So that, like those moments I kind of cherish are kind of cool. Like when I have to think creatively, but I also know like, Oh, I hope Jeff doesn't hate me. Oh no. Like <laughs> there's no hate. It's just like, uh, as a competitor, right. It's like baseball, football, what, you know, like you feel like you have someone against the ropes uh, in a situation and uh, on the golf course, I feel like you seemingly, and that's what good golfers do, right? They, you seemingly find your way out of those situations and don't like, com- that's probably the biggest thing. You don't compound any mistake with like other shit. Whereas like if I'll miss a drive in my head, it's like, well, let me, uh, let me draw one 60 yards around a tree over water to try and get to the green instead of lay up chip close. One, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't play that game. Like it's, yeah. I want to be, well, it's fun playing with you though, because you just don't like give a rep. You're going for it. And that's fun to see. Actually. You're just, you're always going for it. You're taking the driver out the big stick every time. Uh, and that's, that's pretty sweet to do. Now, is it going to maybe get you to shoot, 72 well maybe not but no. you might make that amazing eagle for sure because you can crush the ball you can actually smash it that's what i so, find more fun is like doing like pulling off like some wild stuff like i i again we're not doing this professionally i know i'm not uh i'm, not, I'm never gonna get paid to play golf so i just don't care really how good i shoot it's i would like to not blow up as bad as i do sometimes but it is what it is. It's fun. It's just more about having those moments for me physically where it's like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. But then, like, just to be out there with the guys, have fun, mess around, mm-hmm. like, watch this, or have somebody bury a putt in your face, and you're just like, oh, right? Like, that's the fun stuff to me when you're playing, you know, or watching your son almost hit a hole-in-one, like that type of stuff. I remember watching yours. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. like, we all – freaked out more than you did <laughs> that was a sweet moment like that like to golf with your some of your best buddies and in a tournament too right that mm-hmm. was pretty cool and then to have a hole in one with your friends watching that was pretty surreal that was awesome man so, was awesome. Yeah. and it was really cool of you honestly you i think you whipped out your phone quick to uh, like kind of capture that moment which i'm glad you did because i probably would have forgotten you know what the yardage and I would have forgot the kind of the feeling. So I appreciate you doing oh, that course. actually. That, that was kind of cool to, to remember that. I think I said to myself, I'm going to record you every time on a par three after that. And I have, <laughs> I, I try to every time, like I try to remember that. Cause it's like, it's always a possibility. Yeah. <laughs> you uh, never know. You can always delete the videos, but you can't re-record it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's too good. Crazy. Too good. Um, so, you you you're a baseball guy. Yeah. Let's let's dive into that, right? Um I think I buried the lead, right? You are a certified Hall of Fame baseball player. I guess, I don't know. Yeah, it's there we're getting our St. Thomas team of 2001. We uh, had a really good run. We won the national championship 
Shout uh, out. I was an uh, outfielder for that team. I, I mixed between center and right field. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that World Series run, I was uh, I was a right fielder, not because of my arm. My arm is pretty average, but I was fast. So yeah, they kind of had me there to track down fly balls. But, yeah, we had a great run, and it was our, the first national championship for baseball at St. Thomas. And I just got a random email about a month or two ago, and, they said, congrats, we want to induct uh, your whole team into the Hall of Fame. So uh, pretty cool honor, honestly, because I felt like our team was pretty special. We had Jake Maurer, who's Joe Maurer's older brother on the team. Mm-hmm. He lights out good and really good pitchers. Other One of my good buddies, Mark, uh, was the first baseman, and, and the list goes on and on, my buddy Kyle. Anyway, the team was outstanding. Uh, we led the nation in batting that year uh, wow. for D3. D3. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but we did play like the U of M. We played the Gophers that year. We had a really good game against them. I think we lost by one. So like our team stacked up against, you know, D2, D, D1, obviously not elite D1, but yeah. uh, we get by them. But yeah, to win for, for St. Thomas is pretty cool. And we've got the ceremony coming up in October to be in the Hall of Fame. And it's on my birthday. Like that's going to be cool. I have my boys watch that. So hell yeah. And, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's really cool, and and they both play baseball still. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't mention that, but yeah, both Henrik and Anders play baseball, and uh, I love it. And they, uh, yeah, they they do a good job. Henrik's a pitcher, and Anders is uh, kind of an infielder type guy. So, so what went into you going to St. Thomas, right? Because we so we played together in high school. Obviously, yep. you're Tony. You're Tony's a year older than me. For anybody listening, he graduated one year before uh, myself and Nick, and you know all the other guys in my class. Um, and we like we had a plethora of talent on the baseball field. Oh, for sure. Which I always found a little shocking. I, I guess I'm doing a little bit of a revisionist uh, history here. Shocking that we weren't better as a whole. Like in right. school, like we, we crushed in the summers. I mean, those were some of my favorite like baseball memories was that those Legion teams going to Mankato and just putting it on people, right? Like, I mean, we had a staff and TG, Tate, myself, like just arms, bats, like you name it, right? And, but school-wise, it was kind of tough. And I don't know if it was the weather or whatever, but we had a bunch of like ball players. And you were phenomenal. You are a leadoff, right? Yeah, like I, I mean, I was still fast in high school, but yeah. I, I think I was leadoff or the two hitter. But I, you know, I always envisioned like high school baseball. Like I don't know, it was a little weather. Like I don't know, like maybe we just weren't at our full stride yet. We just wanted it to be hot, and we wanted to play midsummer looser. Um, less restrictive and we just kind of let set free and, mm-hmm. and played better ball there for sure. Uh, I don't know why, like we had you, like you said, you were an amazing pitcher. We had TG who was a great pitcher and why we couldn't just dominate in high school sports. It was it's, weird. Uh, it is really weird. It was very I weird. <laughs> like watch those games and like, how did we lose to that team? I kind of want to rewatch tape for sure. They were all back then, but yeah. So I, I wish I had a great answer other than I remember being cold and maybe we just weren't cold weather players. Must, I don't know. Yeah. I wish I had a better answer. Must have been it. But so so we 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 had some success, not a, 
a ton, not like we did on the football field or anything like that. But, you know, so you, you had an opportunity to go play baseball in college. So like what went yep. into going to St. Thomas? Yeah, yeah. Was there other considerations or was it, I just want to go to school there and I'm going to see if I can be on that baseball team. For sure. So uh, one person that I've always looked up to um, is my brother and sister, but my sister went to St. Thomas and she took me there to visit uh-huh. when I was, I think just a, a freshman in high school or something like that. Yeah. I got to be at the dorms. Uh, they kind of, she like stuck me into the St. Thomas dorms mm-hmm. and I got to chill there for a weekend. And I thought it was so cool. Just the campus was a little bit smaller, um, easier to navigate. I thought it was beautiful. Um, so that kind of stuck with me as a freshman and my sister loved college there. She ran track sure. uh, really well academically there. Uh, but uh, Jill, I've always kind of looked up to and, and we were closer in age. It's not Matt's fault. Matt's just, you know, eight, seven year to eight years older than me. So yeah, we just didn't really grow up um, hanging out that much. And right. That's his fault. But Jill and I used to hang out quite a bit. And uh, so she went there. So I always thought St. Thomas is pretty cool. If I could ever make this work, I'd love to go there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, kind of junior, senior year of sports is happening. And I w- I'd say baseball is pretty good, but I wouldn't say I was lights out. Uh, football, I was pretty good, even though we didn't pass the ball that much. And you know that <laughs> your junior year, we hardly ever passed the ball. Nope. Um, I always think it's hilarious. So I was like the leading receiver senior year of Fairmont football. And I think the second leading receiver was Borrell with eight interceptions. Like, I think it was something <laughs> crazy like that. Like, like we'd never pass the ball. No, no. So, so I did get some, like, I, I don't know if I told you this, but I did get recruited by St. Olaf and Gustavus to play football. Okay. They came to Fairmont. I think other guys had this too, but they came and recruited me to play football. I'm like, oh, it's pretty cool. But sure. to be honest, Jeff, like, I think I would get broken, like, like in two. Like, I was pretty skinny. Like, I don't know, college football, I, I think it would be sweet. But I also, like, man, I don't know if that's, like, my – end goal. I think I was thinking about injury because I thought I was too skinny. Yeah. So I kind of talked to my sister, my mom, my dad, and uh, probably uh, leaned on my brother too. Uh, He went to the U of M and I said, I think I just want to walk on to St. Thomas and try and play baseball. I think I can do it. And, and I went and met with the head coach, Dennis Denning. I'm like, Hey, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, walking on? Just want to learn about St. Thomas more and he said, yeah, give it a go. He didn't recruit me at all. He had no idea who I was. Okay. Uh, showed up to freshman tryouts and fall ball. Uh, did pretty good. So I turned some heads because I was fast. Yeah. I think he was like, who's this kid? For sure. Uh, so I ended up getting on the team, but I was on JV. So he, he didn't put me on varsity yet. Um, but then I was doing pretty well in JV, and I finally got the call up. So, yeah, so my, my whole thing with St. Thomas is my sister. Nice. And I just love the campus, love the location, uh, and wanted to play baseball because I thought that's maybe where I could excel in college because I mm-hmm. thought I was too small to try football. Sure. So, yeah, so and then the rest is kind of history. So I had some really cool uh, experiences at St. Thomas. Like, yeah. Like life-changing experiences, I, want, I think. I think but, I know a few of them. I want to talk about them, and I'm assuming you're talking about like the baseball ones. Cause I don't necessarily know about anything else, I guess, technically. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, my perception of St. Thomas, like 
from an outsider's point of view is like baseball wise, right? That they were a problem at D3, right? Like really good program, ran really well, did things the right way uh, with respect to kind of like a JV pro, which I think you have to do at that level without scholarships and, you know, people like yourself under-recruited, not given enough love, not enough exposure, whatever you want to call it. And so it's, yeah, come out, prove it. You did, right? You make the team. And then they just they have success by doing that, by nurturing players. And um, I feel like you got a ton more, like, awesome baseball experiences than even I did, right? Like playing at a, at a higher level, whatever you want to call it, right? Like we were just kind of in the freaking grind, but, like, you guys, you went to Cuba right, to play that baseball, was, right? Like that's wild. Yeah, so that that was – probably to this day, one of the biggest life-changing events uh, that I've had because you go from only knowing what you know, right? In Minnesota, sure. and people are great. That's, that's not the problem. College is great. But then uh, we had a student exchange that they had with St. Thomas and the University of Havana. And uh, Havana and St. Thomas, they talked and said, what if our student exchange involved our baseball team? What if we brought our baseball team as the students because there was the embargo and you couldn't have anyone travel there unless sure. it was a student exchange. So they said, let's bring your baseball team down and they're going to play the university of Havana baseball team at their huge stadium where the pros play. Yeah. So that was the, my, my junior year. Um, and they invited us down to play in Cuba and we took a charter flight, the pole ad. So the twins owners like sponsored the flight. I uh, got to meet some of local senators from Minnesota. Like we were, it was kind of this big deal and on a spotlight yeah. on us because uh, the whole Ellie and Gonzalez, I'm not sure if you remember those oh, days, yeah. but Ellie and Gonzalez, you know, came over and kind of, you know, like a, a raft and that he came over with his mom. And, but then, you know, his mom, I believe passed away. So he was staying with, you know, an uncle or something. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't remember all the details. But then there was, should he go back to Cuba? And we were right there during this like national debate about should Elian Gonzalez go back to Cuba? Wow. Should he stay with his relatives in Florida? So we were playing baseball there and we were, so the point where it was life-changing is these people, Jeff, were some of the nicest humans I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. And they came from zero material possessions. Right. Like they, they only know people and like friendship and, and while I don't necessarily agree with all the governments run, you know, but I do understand how if you don't have a lot of material things, you're going to rely on family and conversation. And, mm-hmm. uh, and when we went down to visit their first day, they took us out dancing and I got to hang out with the right fielder and we became buddies. And while I spoke a little bit of Spanish, he spoke a little bit of English. We could like talk enough to understand. Sure. Like we literally each night we had some cool events and had like a night of great dinner and great conversation. And then we'd go dancing. Like yeah. it kind of was a theme. And then we'd play baseball obviously in practice. Um, but it was a really cool experience. And you see cars from, you know, the, the 1940s and 1950s before the embargo was put in. So you see these old school cars driving down the road. Yes. Uh, and it was just absolutely gorgeous there. And, our coaches, they kind of did a wink, wink, like, Hey, don't go a night on the town. We're here for, but they knew we were all going to go out anyway. So, right. so we got to do some nightlife stuff and 
uh, drink my first mojito and actually in Cuba, which is cool and smoke Cuban cigars in Cuba. Uh, like that was just trippy. Um, so, so the, you know, the baseball was a little bit secondary. It was the people Mm -hmm. that just impressed me. Uh, but the game itself was cool. So we actually went to a professional game and the crowd just loves baseball. Like American fans love baseball, but these fans like a base hit and you would think it was a grand slam that just won the world series. Like people just go bananas. So we got to see a pro game and then we got to play Mm -hmm. um, against Havana university of Havana. And there was rumors that Fidel Castro, who was still alive at the time was going to come to the game. Wow. So we had like this tight security and we had everything checked like multiple times. And it was like, Oh my gosh, you know, this, this could be crazy. Like if they're sure showed up, he ended up not coming, but we had thousands and thousands of fans there. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So, you know, to boot, to make this experience even cooler, uh, we ended up beating them in Cuba and I had uh, almost a grand slam. We had to use wood bats. That was our agreement, but I hit a a, a ball that I crushed to deep right center. Then I'm like, Oh my gosh, that might be gone. And it hit the warning track when it was a ground roll double. But but anyway, it was a, it was a big hit that scored some runs that ended up getting us the win or helping us get the win. But I remember just like that feeling of like, (laughs) is this real life right now? (laughs) I almost hit a grand slam in Cuba and like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I heard that all to St. Thomas, like, like you said, the program, Dennis Denning, our head coach who virtually mm-hmm. just passed away, but uh, he is just a legend and he just knew baseball better yeah. than anyone I ever knew. So his program, like you said, like how St. Thomas became like baseball, you kind of think of them a little bit. It's because of him. I give him all the credit because he, New small ball, which is not a thing in Major League Baseball anymore, but he knew how to move runners around and he knew how to get us motivated and he knew all the little ins and outs. And anyway, so kudos to him. He's a legend. And yeah, Cuba was unbelievable. I and, bet. Did, uh, let me ask you this, like from a baseball perspective, because um, I, I feel like, again, we played in high school. Um, and I've said it on this uh, quite a few times. I didn't know what the baseball was when I got to college. Yeah. Right. Like it was, well, you throw hard so you can pitch mm-hmm. and you hit the ball for average. So you hit right. Like that's what it was in, in, in Fairmont. And I remember getting to college and watching these hitters go through these drills and just like getting reamed right for not hitting up the opposite direction, not going with the ball, not moving a runner out. Like, and as a pitcher, you know, under, you know, falling behind in counts, three, one pitches, like giving up Oh, two hits, like just feeling like I was drinking from a fire hose, right? Just full on blast to the mouth. Like, Holy shit. All right. There's way more to baseball than pound the strike zone with fastballs. Right. And, was it, and, and so I guess what I, I'm asking, was it the same for you? Like when you got there realizing there's so much more nuance to that game than what we grew up doing <laughs> and how long did it take you to adjust? <laughs> yeah, no, it was night and day. It was, it felt like what an actual legit program that had experience and credibility and 
I remember going to my very first like batting practice and, uh, and Denning was throwing me BP and I love Ken Griffey Jr. I always loved Ken Griffey Jr. And he had kind of the tall, but like elbow wagging, yep. uh, wagging and, and he took one look at my swing. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. It's my swing. He's like, why would that be good for you for your speed? I'm like, I don't know. I've just always swung like this. And he changed me. They changed my swing. It couldn't be more 180 of a switch. He switched me from like the high elbow yeah. to put down and laid off with my bat. Kind of sure. like almost like Knobloch was back in the day. Sure. And he's like, your job is to get on base. I don't want you swinging for the fences. So I'm like, oh, okay. I, I guess that really makes sense, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and he taught me, like he, I credit to him, but he taught me like the drag bunt. Like you're going to drag bunt every game. Sure. They will not be able to get you out if you hit it down the third baseline. Yeah. And I don't think I was bunted once in high school. I don't think I even knew. Like I just tried to swing for the fences. I probably ground out half the time. Mm-hmm. But so Denning like knew, like he knew how to take your strengths. He knew how to give you all the knowledge behind it. Yeah. Here's how you're going to do it. And then, yeah, your mind's just blown. Like, okay, I had no idea all this stuff. And Jeff, to your credit, like pitching, I am so so clueless with how to teach Henrik how to throw a curveball, how to mix. Like, I know it's important. I know you should mix up pitches and speeds. Yep. Like, I I wish I could help him more as a high schooler, like how how to navigate that and how to grip the ball. So yeah. I think I need to recruit you to talk to Henrik. But, <laughs> um, but our to. college team, like, you know, you have a pitching coach that yeah. – is working with these guys and they're working on drills that are beneficial. And it's, that's Mm -hmm. also, you know, a huge change from probably what they were used to in high school. So it's it's super cool to experience that. And you're like, Oh, so when you're a coach now, right. For Jack or something, Mm -hmm. you're probably taking it to another level because you've had that college experience. Like, yeah, Yeah. there's, there's one way you can do it. And then here, here's how you actually can be effective or like little nuanced things that you found. Yeah. So, yeah, it it was it was um as I said, just overwhelming that first year realizing there's so much to this game that I thought I was really good at. Uh yeah. that I don't know and like realizing you don't know shit and <laughs> the first time um yeah, cuz it never happened in high school, but the first time somebody turned on a fastball on me and I mean turned on one right and put it like 400 feet right and I was just like whoa <laughs> shit all right uh <laughs> um I better learn how to work in and out up and down you know working uh-huh. off speed I figured out how to throw a change up you know realized my curve was dog shit you know <laughs> like just figuring all of that out like on the fly yeah. was um you know, you talk about like being a goalie and like the pressure of it. It, I feel like, you know, as a pitcher, it's very similar, right? Where, totally. you know, you feel like every pitch is like, man, (laughs) there's, and depending on the environment, um, you just, you feel a lot of pressure with every pitch. Like Mm -hmm. I don't want to give up a hit here or put us in a bad spot or whatever. And it, it was, it was, it was eye opening, And, but, now as an adult like you're so much more appreciative of the game and when i teach it 
to kids, right? It's, it's trying to take all of that and dumb it down to a level to help them get better. Not now. I don't care if you're good at nine or 10 because it's irrelevant if you're the best player on the field at 10, right? Like I didn't play on our eighth grade team in Fairmont. That's crazy. Because I hadn't worked my way into the system yet. Right. (laughs) And then, you know, ninth grade, I'm throwing no hitters. Right. And it's, you know, so it doesn't matter like when you're young, it's just like develop the skills, learn how to throw correctly, right? Like learn extension, you know, learn, you know, how to get your bat in the right slot, you know, to like hit the ball. Um, it, 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 yeah. Like just trying to teach all these kids that stuff, um, was, is, is super fun and you can see them grow and like see them develop over the course of a year. Right. right. And like how to feel the ground ball. Right. Like all those little things it has been a lot of fun and I look forward to kind of hopefully working with them and like working on a throwing program with our association and all that stuff, like just developing arms. Right. Cause it take it's not just raw talent. Like you can develop an arm. Like, there is there's no way genetically right like we have evolved from when we were in high school the best arms throwing 88 to 90 to now there's high school kids throwing 100 right like that's not evolution that is strictly training and working on like the the finer things and like developing arm strength over time doing it the right way versus oh that kid just throws hard Right. Like that's what that is. And you can, you can add, you know, eight to 10 miles an hour over three, four years of doing it the right way and like learning how to do it correctly. So it's, it's fun to try and like try and introduce that to them. And you get a couple snot nosed kids are like, I already know how to throw. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, no, you don't dude. (laughs) Like, I'm watching you drop that elbow. Like you think Uh you're trying to be Patrick Mahomes out here on the baseball field. You ain't got that yet. (laughs) You know, like in my head, I just, I want to start to show him up, but I I try to be a coach about it and be like, no, no, you don't son. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wild. The game has changed. I wish we had back in high school, like just a weight training program. Like I don't remember ever working out for baseball. Do you? Oh, never. Oh, we did, but it, even that was like to not the level they are now. Now that it's half assed. It's half assed, yeah. But uh, now, like the weight training program, uh, it's all summer long. It's, yep. you know, it's there is no off season for weight training. And yep. that was kind of probably for you, I would imagine, in college, is that's what they started to focus on as well. And that's what we did at St. Thomas. We started to hit the weights, building muscle. Same thing we were just referring to, but yeah. that was a game changer for me because I was always kind of the skinny kid, and I finally started to develop more muscle, mm-hmm. and that helped with speed, and it helped with a little pop on my bat. Uh, so that's another thing I think is a huge part of it. It's just weight training. Oh yeah, and, and but that's all part of it, right? Is is the learning how to do it the right way, learning how to gain strength, all that stuff is super important, and that you can teach kids. It's it's not just raw ability. You can I think baseball is one of those sports um, where you can, if you put in the work, you can make yourself a good baseball player. Like it is not, you have to be six foot eight, 280 pounds, you know, 
it's not that you don't have to be the fastest kid alive. You were mm-hmm. very blessed with raw speed, which is super helpful. Um, but you don't have to be the fastest human on the planet to be good at baseball. Like you can put in the work and develop that hand-eye coordination and get like pitch recognition and learn how to throw prop, you know, and make yourself a good ball player and play for a while. Might not play professionally, uh, but you can get to a certain level that most won't if you put in the effort, just like with golf, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. If you, yeah, that, and I can see you should be a motivational speaker for baseball, future <laughs> baseball prospects because you'd be good at it. But yeah, I do. I think it is. It's, it's probably a lot of sports, right? If you just dedicate, put in the time, uh, you're going to improve. And for sure. Um, and, you know, the, the more reps you get, you're going to learn from failures. You're going to learn from, mm-hmm. hey, what I do, this is what worked. Uh, but but if you can get a good program, a good coach, a good system, that's yeah. only yeah. enhancing. So, yeah. So what was what was the experience like winning a national title? Well, oh, man, it was cool. So we I don't know if you know the history of this, but we so our team was uh, pretty loaded for a few years. So we we had three runs at a national championship, mm-hmm. national title. So my sophomore year, we lost in the College World Series and that's about like what eight teams or so. Yeah. And we got to the championship lost. My junior year, we got to the championship game in the College World Series and lost. Is and it, was it single elimination or was it a best of three? No, it was a double elim. Okay. Um, but uh, I think in the first two, I believe we were just, we had one and out. Like it was just the final gotcha. game and we lost. And then our senior year, we just had so much experience gained from that. Yeah. And our team just kind of had a bit of a swagger, to be honest. Like we knew we were good. We knew we just had to, to finish and yeah, things just came together. We played really well as a team. Our pitching staff was great, but yeah, the, the final games there, it was pretty cool. And like one of the pitchers was from Marietta and he played for the Yankees. Like we were playing against legit good guys that got drafted. Yeah. Um, but we just knew like our game is small ball. We're going to get on base. We're going to run um, like crazy and it's going to drive the team nuts that they can't stop us. And, and that's kind of what we did. And some guys had some clutch hits and, and to win it was just amazing. So yeah, um, I was in the outfield when uh, my buddy Brad caught the final ball and yeah, you just kind of lose your mind. It's like euphoria. You're, we did the big hog pile at the pitcher's mound and mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I've ever, you know, done that, that feeling before. Like it was, yeah surreal and uh you know our head coach said the coolest thing that he remembers is you know the wins and losses are great but he remembers the the bus ride home because we won we had the big national championship it could have been anywhere in america but it was in wisconsin (laughs) so (laughs) so we had a bus ride from appleton wisconsin back to st thomas but he said listening to like our gangster rap was like the highlight of his one of his careers like listening to how happy we were and like singing and like I don't know. It's a pretty cool bond you get with those guys. For so sure. to come full circle now and have the hall of fame, like it's pretty cool. Like I, I think it's a, a memorable thing and it's cool that these guys are getting recognized too. Cause it was a, a cool thing. We, I think we represented St. Thomas well, especially with Cuba, like, you know, everyone was pretty well behaved and uh, I think we represented St. Thomas well. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's fun. Can't wait for the, the big ceremony in October. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I mean, it, 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 to your 
to your credit, right? Like uh, those Hall of Fames are not just, um, oh my God, this this person or this team was a great athlete, right? Uh, and this is not to disparage collegiate yeah. Hall of Fames by any stretch, but like you have, you also have to be like a good representative of your university, you know, and you know represent the core values that they have their mission statements you know all that they're trying to do because you're you're enshrined right like you're forever going to be a part of their history that they're going to publicly kind of display and so yeah like it is not just yeah we won a national title and that's super cool it's you guys did it the right way um and you know you represented that university to their expectations which is not easy Right, because yeah. it's usually a bunch of old heads that have different views on, on the world than you do when you're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, you know. So that's super – it's super cool and something you guys should be super, super proud of. No well, thanks, man. It. Well, that's uh, – yeah, it's like student-athlete, right? You should be a student first, and then the athlete comes with it. And, should yeah, be. I, I think our, our team, for the most part, took that serious. We were not perfect by any means, but – no. Uh, no, it's, yeah, it's a cool thing to be part of. To me, I never envisioned Hall of Fame. I honestly didn't really care that much, but now that yeah. it's kind of happening, like, well, it is kind of cool, actually. Right. That, that the team kind of is, you know, going to be there for history. Sake Absolutely. Anyway. Absolutely, yeah. man. Um, what were some of your favorite memories playing ball? Because uh, I've asked this of, like, some of my other friends. Like, do you have anything uh, that, like, sticks out whether on the field or are they more off the field moments? Uh, yeah. So I want to hear yours too. I want to hear some of your really good ones, but I, uh, so some of my favorites, uh, were the member of the metronome, obviously. So I was playing against, I think St. Scholastica and we were, um, playing and we, because of school and whatnot, we didn't play in the dome till like 10 at night. Like that was our first game and we sure. do double headers. But anyway, uh, I had a opportunity. I hit a home run over the big baggie, which was really cool. And, uh, Damn. so, and I normally just kind of, that's not my game. I probably only hit like seven or eight homers in my career at St. Thomas, but, but one hitting one there over the baggie was super cool. But the, the fun memory of that is, um, I got to second and, uh, the shortstop said, dude, it's gone. Cause I was sprinting still. Cause I, I didn't think it was gone. I like, it was kind of like a, a line drive rope that made it over into those uh, chairs that were upright. Um, he's like, dude, it's gone. You can slow down. So yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. Like, Oh, it is gone. So I slowed down. And my favorite part of that game was my next step back, Jeff. Uh, I laid down a drag bunt. So like hitting a Homer and then laying down a bunt was kind of a funny thing. Cause I, I don't think they knew. I, they probably knew I wasn't a power guy. Right. Right. A little bit. And to lay down a bunt after a, a homer was cool. Um, and then, I don't know, I think, you know, just the whole Cuba experience was insane. But uh, another fun one down in Florida we played. So we went down to Fort Myers to play. We went against the Twins rookie team. Oh, nice. So that was sweet. Yeah. And that, you know, seeing, you know, actual – 90s or mid 90s that's pretty eye-opening mm-hmm. when you know in the Mayak we probably saw high 80s was maybe the highest sure. you ever uh reach but to see mid 90s kind of you know, makes a different noise 
you know, when it's zinging by, you're like, oh, that's something new. Okay. (laughs) Like you got to really be ready to bang the second that ball's out of the pitcher's hands. Uh, But that was a super cool experience. Uh, I remember down playing in a a game. I think it was my senior year. uh, And we were playing, I'm trying to remember the team, but I, I was, I think either the lead off or something, but I laid a drag bunt to the third baseman in the first inning, got on base. So that nice. was my thing. Like once a game, I drag bunt cause they weren't ready for it. And we batted around that inning, Jeff. And I came up to bat in the same first inning and Denning, my head coach goes, do it again. And I laid, uh, laid down another drag bunt to the same third baseman and beat it out again. Nice. And well, I don't know. At the time, you know, it was hilarious because their coach was going berserk. Sure. Uh, yelling at his third baseman, like, why aren't you playing up? Right. Um, probably labeled Bush League now, but um, I thought that was pretty cool to lay down a drag bunt the same inning against a pretty good team. I think they went to the World Series later that year. So, yeah. That was so, that was a good fun highlight. And I think, honestly, like uh, uh, Mike Tate came to a game at St. Thomas. Um, he was sitting in the front row and, uh, and I saw him and I was just about to go up to bat. I was walking up and I kind of waved at him and I jacked a home run in front of him. I my, that first at bat. So he kind of like lost it. Like, Oh my gosh, Morgan. like he hit a home run. So that was pretty That's cool. Awesome. I kind of gave him the look when I crossed home plate. So that was sweet. Absolutely, like, man. Well, hitting a home run with a good buddy and hole in one with you guys, like, Anything with friends, man, it's it's For it's sure. just makes it much better. So For sure. Uh, about, you gotta tell me about yourself now. Tell me about your high school, college, what was your favorite moments playing baseball? Oof. Oof. Um you know, I I think like some of mine were when I didn't think I could do something and I like did it. Is weird like so we were sophomores. Um, and we had a lot of good arms on our team and again, like I thought I was good. Um, you were, you were very good. And I got to college and realized there's levels to good, (laughs) right. And, you know, we had these two twins on our team who one through 96, one through 94, uh, this other dude, Ted, Teddy, he, you know, he was high 80s, low 90s, but with a curveball that would, like, rival Clayton Kershaw's, right? Just oh, wow. insane break. Um, and we and we just – so we just had a lot of arms. And so, like, I – you know, you're not one of the four. You know, you're not, you're not one of the weekend starters. And, you know, there's, like, a little bit of an ego blow there. Um, but the coach is like, look, like, you're still one of my guys, like, and I'm going to, like, rely on you a lot. I was like, all right, man, you know, whatever you need um, – and we went down on our spring trip, and we we're playing like Central Missouri, and I think they were second or third in the country, and it was a tight game. And he caught, he brought me in to close the game, and I had never closed a game before, and got the first two outs, and there's a guy on third, uh-huh. and we were up one, and it was an O two count, and and this was like also probably the first time I ever like put a change up into play <laughs> yeah nice and uh yeah i threw on two fastballs first one was by him the second one he timed up but just under it you know straight back right so you know like timing's on he just yeah, missed yeah. it you know and so in your head you're like shit okay you know it wasn't like 
he was late by a mile uh, and it went flying off into, you know, left field or whatever. Um, and so I was like, all right, I got to throw something else here. And I threw it like, it was the first time I put a change up into play in a game and, you know, dude just swung right over the top of it. And like, we won the game and I was just nice. like, Fuck. you know, I'm like, yeah. on the mound, I'm like screaming to myself and, <laughs> you know, awesome. super pumped up about it. And, you know, then you just, you know, you ride that through the rest of the year. I think I led the conference in saves that year and oh it was, it was exciting. Cool. And, you know, it's just one of those, like, is that what, uh, you know, I can pitch right at this level. I know I can now. Right. And so that was super cool. But otherwise, like most of my like favorite moments, dude, we're like watching my buddies, um, either have success or do stupid stuff. Like, on the field. uh, I love, you know, so I love Jake TG, right. Um, yeah. dude is a phenomenal athlete, right. Oh my God. Played football and baseball at co- in college, just unreal in high school right and you know he he put the word to the coach like hey we got this guy in Fairmont that can play and like he probably got me recruited there in some respects to Augie mm-hmm. but our freshman year we go down on our spring trip and we're playing Dallas Baptist who's now a division one program and they're pretty darn good yeah okay? and you remember Lou Ford for the twins oh man I feel like that rings a bell but yeah, so he was a first baseman there. for the Twins, played in the bigs. He was on yeah. that team, and he was their four-hole hitter, and Jake was pitching. <laughs> and I don't. I think Jake threw him a knuckleball. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know Jake had a knuckle. Okay, nice. He, well, he didn't. <laughs> and Lou Ford hit that ball maybe 800 feet. It's the farthest I've ever seen a ball hit. There were trees a hundred feet past the fence and they were big and it hit like the top of the tree and it was like bat crack to tree crack. Right. And we were all just like, Holy shit. You know, like we've never seen a ball get hit farther. And as, as Lou Ford is coming to home plate, the guy who's coming up next and it's audibly like, they're not from there, and we're not from there. We're playing in Joplin, Missouri. So there's like eight people in the crowd, right? It's just two teams playing a baseball game. Mm-hmm. The guy who's coming up to bat goes, what do you throw you? <laughs> and Lou Ford goes, who gives a shit? It's gone. <laughs> like, and, like, our whole team is dying laughing. I think Jake was even laughing. He's like, I don't. He didn't know why he was out there. We were getting killed. He just got, he came in in relief and he was just doing his best, right? Like everybody was getting just destroyed by these dudes. And like, that's the stuff I remember is like just the hilarious moments of playing, right? And the road trips and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hanging out in dorms, going out as a team and just like bonding in that way, right? And like, we all tell those stories over and (laughs) over again, um, I mean, I gave up, you know, 500 foot home runs and like, we'll talk about them and like playing in front of crowds and they're talking shit to you and you like chirp back and then give up a bomb instantly. And you're like, damn it, you know, like stuff like that all the time. Like that's the stuff I remember. I I, I mean, I had some success, but I I just, it never really, I never really cared. It was more just like, man, this, just like you talk about, like having fun with your friends and doing stuff with your buddies, like, that was what was so cool about that whole experience for me um, that I'll, 
I'll cherish that's those things forever over. Oh yeah, I had ten saves or you know, yeah, twenty eight strikeouts or whatever. You know, like I just that stuff never really truly mattered um, right. when I was playing. Well, I've got. I should share one quick story. So I was. It was regions. Yeah, and uh, I was leading off. Uh, second, and I was like the the winning run. To like I don't know if it was to advance to the World Series or what, but it was a huge moment in the game. And I was kind of known for big leads. Like I would I would kind of mess with the pitcher, yeah. and he had a bang bang pickoff play at second, and I barely got back. I mean barely. Like it was high barely. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, you said save the hump. And uh, my head coach yelled. And I remember my parents there and um, I think my brother and sister there because it was a big game. And Denning yells for everyone to hear. And he goes, Wolverton, if you get picked off, you'll never play for me again. (laughs) And I remember just like, oh, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. So my next lead was like maybe like two feet off the base. And I remember just like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Like that could have been like. A catastrophe. Sure. If I would have picked off, like ended the game, we lost, didn't advance because I was being greedy with my lead. But yeah, to hear him say, "You'll never play for me again" in front of everyone, <laughs> like that got my attention. Totally got my attention. And I'm yeah. sure your teammates gave you copious oh, amounts God. of shit, right? Like, yeah. dude, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. My parents still remind me that my dad will have some fun quote or something saying, "You'll never play for me again, Wolverton." Of course. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's that's the stuff that you remember too. Just those, the embarrassing stuff, mm-hmm. but also the good stuff. And yeah, like college, it's tough to be college. I tell my boys that, like, hey, middle school, it's all right, it's all right. And high school gets a little better. Just wait for college. So mm-hmm. college is where it's at. You're really gonna love that. Absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of figuring out who you are and mm-hmm. uh, kind of becoming who you are at that time. And, you know, again, you're just physically at a different stage in your life. It's yeah, it's a, it's a wild experience. No doubt about it. Um, I'd be curious. So uh, another cool thing about Tony, uh, you used to work in professional sports. We're moving on from baseball. Oh yeah. yeah. That's all good. You, you used to work in professional sports. Yes. What was that like for you? Tell us, tell me what you, tell us what you did. And what yeah. that experience was like. Because I think a lot of people, man, you know, oh, man, I'd love to work for insert whatever team. Right? Right. Like, tell, yeah. tell me about it. Oh, I totally get that passion for people that, like, you know, if you love a certain sport, you love a certain organization. I could see people wanting to work for them. So mm-hmm. uh, I had a business degree at St. Thomas. And uh, my first official job was working for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, at first it was just an entry level job and it was working in the box office and, uh, kind of moved into a little bit, uh, higher level job of working with courtside season ticket holders for sales and service. Uh, and it was really cool. I'm not going to lie. It was awesome. So if you're like a, a mid 20 year old and getting to stay up late, going to professional sports arenas and watching games and working with uh, season ticket holders and, talking sports for your job. Like yeah. I it was really cool. I, I loved it. Sure. Uh, my favorite part of it was the people I met. Yeah. So I've got great buddies to this day. Uh, 
uh, Jeff Munichy, who was my boss, who was outstanding, and Molly, who was amazing, and Eric Caulfield, and mm-hmm. uh, and one good buddy I golf with uh, quite a bit is Jeff Kaiser. Yeah, I think Kaiser. he's Kaiser's a great dude and Matt bear. And it goes on and on Buffalo, Jim Buffalo. I'm not sure if you met him. He yep. played small at St. Mary's. We want to uh, scramble together. Oh my God. For sure. You know, Jim, <laughs> he just didn't stay for the photo with the trophy. He, no. He's always got something going on. Nope. But yeah. Of course, you know, buff. Um, anyway, so the people were amazing. Sure. Um, I do remember though. So for anyone looking to work in the sports industry, uh, I'm not sure if it's still true to this day, but, my first interview um, was with Eric and then I had another interview and, um, and Scott, I think said, are you ready to work a lot of hours for not a lot of money? <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, yeah, sign me up. I'm working for the Timberwolves. Who cares? Let's do it. Um, so you do have to kind of work your way up to make some money. It's maybe not the greatest pay if you're kind of a low level guy for a while, but, sure. um, but if you have a passion for it, uh, man, all, you know, credit to anyone that wants to work for a professional sports team. Right. You know, I, I always envision like, Hey, the perfect team to work for is the Vikings because what you've got maybe eight to 10 home games. Cause of preseason. Yep. That's uh, a week It's in the winter. It's, you know, what else are you going to do anyway? Uh, so that sounds amazing. And then, but to work for the twins, like, Oh my gosh, now you're talking, how many games you got to right. work and right. it's in the middle of summer when that's kind of when you want to goof around and enjoy Minnesota or whatever. So, but I know people at the twins that love it because they have a passion for baseball. So sure. if you follow your passion and you like a you know specific sport, man, I would highly recommend it. Yeah. But I can say it gets harder. Like once I started on the clone I had or uh, Henrik, you know, as a baby, like, I don't know if I can pull all these nights anymore. Sure. This is going to be tricky. So, I, mean, I always wanted to be a teacher at some point, so I started going back to school. Uh, went to St. Thomas again uh, for kind of took. I got my master's there and I went to the Minneapolis campus. And so after Timberwolves um, work, I would go and uh, go to school. So and then I transitioned to teaching. But again, highly recommended for anyone that loves the sport. Um, you're going to have a passion. I still have buddies that work for the Timberwolves to this day, even though. They just can't get over the hump and, and win. <laughs> they are, have been struggling forever. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there's promise that, I don't know, that's, we're Minnesota sports fans. We could talk about that for oh, a few hours, yeah. too. But, yeah. uh, but no, so, uh, yeah, I uh, I know a few people that are interested in maybe working in the sports industry someday, and I say go for it. Like, sure. Maybe you're going to find a career there for the rest of your life. You never know. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a, a lot of people – want to do it um and it it it, it's it i guess i kind of i so i kind of equate it with uh radio sports broadcasting anything along those lines right like there is a lot of dues paying and Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of i mean you got to grind yeah right Uh, a lot at as you mentioned low pay uh i think in Sports broadcasting, it used to be at no pay for a while. Um, you just had to be an intern and, and put in the time and, you know, eventually hope to get your shot and see what happens. But that, they can do that because there's a million people who want to come do that work, right? And so they can kind of abuse that a little bit. Um, but it, 
at the same time, like, if that's what you're into and if you like it, like, man, like, like shit, I do this for free, right? I'm passionate about it, right? I'm, I'm giving this a run, like seeing what happens here. And, uh, I, I, I think like it's, it's necessary, but as you mentioned, like you, you've reached a stage where it's like, man, I, I can't do this anymore and raise a family. And so you had to kind of like move into another direction and you chose to become a teacher, which I also think is like super fascinating. And you've been doing that for what, how long now? Uh, this is my 16th year. 16 years. Yeah. What are the challenges of being a teacher now? Ooh. Oh, man. So, so we got one weekend for the school year. Yeah. And I think I think it's different. Like it, when you start out as a young teacher, it's super overwhelming because everything's new. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're trying to figure out how do I have classroom management? How do I understand the curriculum? How do I, like you said, take that curriculum and make it accessible? And how do I have students understand it? How do I have the light bulbs go off? How do I make learning fun? How do sure. I, how do I deal with other staff? How do I work with the principal? How do I, you know, it's, how do I deal with parents? So at the start, it's super overwhelming. The first two, three years are kind of a blur. It's like, okay, I'm kind of figuring it out as I go. Mm-hmm. And now, now it's kind of like the fun, like part of the career where I know my classroom management. I know how to get kids excited for learning. I know how to get them moving in the classroom. I know it works. I know it doesn't work. Um, but what I enjoy is them like seeing me fail too. Like today in class, I totally botched something. Like I was talking about place value to the 10 millions and I was saying, we got to talk about word form. So I was saying the, the, the number and I was writing it out and I forgot to write the word hundreds. Um, it seems really simple and it's not really a great story, but the point was, is they like called it out like Mr. Overton, you forgot whatever. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're right. And then I kind of turn it into a big learning moment. Right. Like, mm-hmm even your teacher messes up. I'm going to mess up every day. So sure. I want you to know it's okay to mess up in this classroom and I'm never going to poke fun at you. Uh, I'm never going to disrespect you. Like you're going to make mistakes and that's part of life guys. Like this right. is awesome. Um, so those moments for me, like just make teaching amazing that you kind of teach life lessons um, as you go. So teaching is tough. It's, really difficult. You're, you know, you get 30 to 35 kids in your room at one time that you're trying to get in one goal of learning the state standards for math or science or whatever you're teaching. Yeah. But it's really about, you want them to love learning. Sure. That's kind of what I go to. So my goal at the end of the year, Jeff, is I want every kid to say they love math. Like they never used to, but now they like math. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the goal is just to go along for the ride and like, trust me, we're going to have fun in here. It's going to be tough at times, but I'm here for you. And, uh, yeah, that, that's the greatest joy I have is making kids enjoy the learning process. And, and yeah, and it's a good time. There's, st- I could go on story after story after story, about like f- silly, funny stuff that happens, but the overall perspective is it, you feel like you truly make a difference Sure. and, uh, and you make impacts and it's fun seeing like your, former students come back and say hello and yeah that that, that kind of makes your day but what's been the biggest change in 16 years uh, I-, I would say like I, I think i shared this book called the coddling of the american mind I read, that was like probably five six years ago i read that book yep i would say as a parent i know because it's so tough to say no 
yeah. uh, when it comes to cell phones and needing a social media app or sure. whatever I might be. And, you know, I think parents that were so involved with their kids, whereas when we grew up, it's like, go play, see you for dinner. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Now it's kids want to be involved or parents want to be involved with a lot of things. So I guess my biggest challenge at times is sometimes I feel like um, there's some coddling going on or maybe sure. uh, there should be a little bit more of, Hey, let's, we're here to learn. We're not, you know, jumping on a Chromebook right away to play some game. Like, no, no, no. We got to do the hard work first. Yeah. So I think attention span a little bit. Um, and I, I've just seen that progress as the years have gone on. It's a little bit more, I don't think COVID helped with that. I think kids were used to doing school in their pajamas and right. not really having deadlines and having to have anything urgent and get things done and learn organization skills. Sure. Uh, now that's not to say all kids are like this, Jeff, like a lot are no. doing, but there's, I've seen more and more of, uh, you know, behaviors that, oh, that, that, did, that was a unique behavior. You don't really talk back. We didn't used to do that, you know, five to 10 years ago. And now it's maybe more acceptable. And so um, the beauty of it is you can get your class like to feel like they're one and that they don't have those behaviors. If you have that community built. Sure. So like our class is called the wolf pack. Cause the nice. wolves are 10. They work used to work for the Timberwolves. I think that's cool. Yeah. Well, they know that, um, you know, I care about them. So you see those like maybe coddling things. Like they think I can do this. It's fine. I can do it at home. I can, I'm like, no, 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 not in school. It's summer's over crew. Mm-hmm. Like it's time to get back to it. Um, but eventually like those behaviors go away once they get some routines and yeah, but yeah, I, I would just say overall, it's just kind of like, I think kids expect to get everything they want right away. Sure. So that's kind of a behavior that didn't always, there used to be a little bit more like, no, the teacher knows what they're doing. Listen to the teacher. Now it's kind of like, I, like you said, with that kid that was throwing, right. You know, pitching, like I know how to pitch. Like, right. no, you don't like you, you have some learning to do. And it's For kind sure. of the same thing. I think in education a little bit where, you know, the balance of teachers are usually kind of held up to an esteem of, Hey, listen to them. They're here to help you. And now it's kind of like, ah, the kids, you know, they kind of, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I think you get it. Like they're, yeah. they're coming with like, ah, oh, I'm good. I don't need to do that. Or they talk back before they, in the past, they didn't as much. So. Absolutely. I think that's gotta be one of the most challenging things for you is information is so like freely available and kids think they know so much because yeah. they saw a video or read an article or whatever, right? And it's like, no, that you know, it, that that may be true. You know, X may be true, but how did you get to X, right? And, like, still helping them, like, learn it. Like, just because you read, you know, whatever the subject is doesn't mean you know how to do it and how to get there. And that's what I'm trying to do is help you understand how things work and why it's important to, like, learn those things because – you don't want to go through life, uh, you know, being an idiot who just, who doesn't like understand how to figure stuff out on their own. Right. And given today's day and age of, well, no, I can just pick this thing up and it answers all my questions. 
Right. So I don't need to yeah. know how to do anything anymore. Um, and I worry, like I worry about like my kids in that respect. Um, because that is important. Like knowing how to do the thing that gets you to the thing is just as important as knowing how to get to the answer. Like I always hated showing my work. I just knew how I just knew math. Yeah. Um, but now as an adult and seeing where we're at now, I understand why that is so important for sure. Cause it is important. Right. And like kids have this like, Oh no. I mean, for crying out loud, how many times when you were in school, did you say, how many times am I like, when am I ever going to need to know this? Yeah. Right. And that was well before we could just whip up whatever we wanted in the palm of our hand in for an sure. instant. And now yeah. I would assume that that is just amplified to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all you can have your computer write your essay for you. You, know, you can use AI and, and that's something middle school we don't have to deal with as much, but now high school, college, like, they, you know, you can easily have something written, some essay, some, yeah, it, it's crazy how far technology is taking, but it can be a detriment. Like you said, like, yeah, I think of that as a parent every single day and that's, you know, kind of why I try my best to cut back on my phone usage. I've, I've made that a goal, but sure, I fail at that too. I certainly fail at it, but you know, I just see kids in general, just, you know, glued to their phones and mm-hmm. like, oh, this just can't be good. It just right. can't be good. But right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what, how, how to switch that behavior other than saying no more often, but yeah. Yeah. I, I don't either. And, my wife and I wrestle with that whole concept of like technology, technology, screen time, whatever we're calling it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, for a kid. And I I, I read this really interesting thing, right? Cause now AI is is this big hullabaloo, uh, especially in academics, um, where there's a college professor who's like, no, use it. He's like, hmm. use AI to write your article, right? Like he's challenging them, like pass this class with AI, right? And trying to help them understand it's a tool, but it's not, you know, the gardener, right? And the gardener needs to know how the tools work and the right ingredients to, you know what I mean? So he's like teaching them how to utilize that. And I think that I thought that was really cool. And it's like, look, yeah, you can use an iPad and it's, yes, it's entertaining to watch a video, but what's your end goal right within that? And how can you utilize those things to make yourself better or whatever? Right. And so like in my head, like when, when Jackson is watching some video, I try to kind of like loosely pay attention to what he's watching. And then I'm like, all right, what'd you learn? Yeah. Right. right. And, oh, you know, well, there's super tornadoes, you know, all over the Midwest. And, you know, we're, no, you're not. You just watch some guy hyping, you know, a scenario up. It's not truly like that. Like, let's go on to um, NOAA, you know, which is the National Oceanic and whatever yeah. website. Let's look up how many hurricanes, sorry, hurricanes. Let's look up how many hurricanes occur on a yearly basis where they usually, you know what I mean? And so it's like helping them understand that like, this is a tool. And if, if you take it at face value, you know, you're kind of, you're going to hurt yourself 
right? If you let the hammer do all the work, you got to know how to work the hammer, mm-hmm. right? Well, makes sense. Totally. And I found that super interesting because I think that's where we're at now is like, we have to learn how to like live and work and learn with these things. It's not going away. Yeah, no, that's for sure. It's no, it is not. There's, we are way too lazy of a society to right. <laughs> throw those things away. You know what I mean? <laughs> Without a doubt. Oh man. Um, I think lastly, Tony, we, yeah. ha- we have to, and certainly not least, we have to talk about your incredible ability. <laughs> oh gosh, here it comes. <laughs> to mess up and or absolutely crush handshakes, high fives, oh fist bumps. It's uncanny. Like, oh, oh, how long has man. this been going on? I, I, the world needs to know. Um, it's great. Like, is there fear on your part? Like, when these things are occurring? Like, talk me through this. Help me, help me understand. Let's, let's learn a little bit. So I have been uh, handshake deficient <laughs> for many years now. And, and it's surprising to some people. Like, they, I have an awkward handshake with them, and, I'll, like, I'm pretty insecure about it. And they're like, and I just call it out, like, sorry, I'm just really bad at handshakes. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and it's funny. And they want to, like, take me under their wing, like, like, let me teach you. Like, they're excited. Like, I'm going to teach you how to do a handshake. So I've heard so many people with so many different ideas. But I think that I have too many thoughts in my head now about sure. the hand. So, like, should you make eye contact? Should you just look at their hand? Should you? I heard the other day that I go too far back with my handshake. So, I like, I miss the person's hand. Like, this is this is not good. And then to throw, like, open house or I'm meeting parents for the first time like jeff this is very nerve-wracking for me very first impression of a parent with their sure wonderful child and mr wolverton's like missing their hand or like oh this is bad this is bad so i go in with the best intentions but man yeah, yeah i just need like a handshake guru i just need to be sat down and practice handshake <laughs> after handshake after handshake because I mess them up at least 50%. At least 50% of my handshakes are awful. I And, yeah. And I, you witnessed this. You've seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, well, I think, like, we all, we appreciate that. We appreciate it now. And so <laughs> there's a little bit of uh, love amongst friends where, you know, all right, we're going in for a handshake, and then we will at the last minute switch up to a fist bump. Right. Or like try to keep you on your toes. (laughs) Right. Like there's some of that, um, man, I'll tell you what, like my advice would be hold your hand out at a specific distance and let them come meet you. Oh, oh. quit trying to meet other people. Right. Like here's my hand. You come get it if you want it. Otherwise I'm just going to hold this out here uh, for a while and eventually I'll pull it back in. (laughs) That might be, that could be the key to, all of my issues. Cause I, like, I, I think uh, Matt Borrow told you this. We, I golfed. So after you and, and Jack yes. and Anders and I golfed, yes. we, I went on with James Borrow and Matt and Anders. Yep. So like a week or two later. And I botched Matt's handshake a little bit. It was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And then I went to James Borrow, poor James Borrow. And I went with the knuckles cause I thought that's what kids would want to do. But he did the handshake 
And we probably did the handshake to knuckles at least four times. <laughs> or I, I think I just grabbed his hand probably like yeah. in a weird awkward. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And Boros look on his face. <laughs> like you got to be kidding me. That was the most awkward thing I've ever seen in my life. But I'm going to do what you said, Jeff. I'm just holding firm and yeah. they have to come to me. Hold it out at so a respectful distance and be like, Hey, good to see you. Yeah. Let them come ge- grab your hand. Yeah. You're golden, man. You're like, hey, my hand didn't move. You messed that up. Then just yeah. place the blame on them if they if they beef. Oh my god! Thank you. We solved it. Crisis yeah. averted. Complex solved. <laughs> golden now, Tony. Oh. See, that was the one good thing about COVID. I didn't have to touch anyone's hand. Oh, That's the one good thing. Snap. But. But now I I I had like heard like maybe handshakes would be gone forever. And now that they're back. Oh, it was, it was a pretty sad moment. I thought you were in the clear. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was in the clear for life, but but now I've got my new method thanks to you. So I can't I don't wait. Know. To, I can't wait to see it in action. I'm excited to try it. I can't wait to meet someone and Absolutely. just hold steady. <laughs> Absolutely, man. <laughs> yeah, love it, love it. Um, you got anything else you want to talk about, Tony? No, man, I, I appreciate this. It's fun uh, listening. I just listened to your last podcast with your wife and talking about your year. And uh, I also just want to echo what the other guys have said. Uh, you don't need me to say this, but I'm super proud of you too. It's fun listening. I've listened Thanks, to bro. the majority of them. Not all, I'll admit, but the majority of the guys I know. Um, and, and it's super fun to hear and, and dig a little deeper. And, and like you said, with your podcast, with your your wife it's you know it's kind of like a therapy for you too sure. it's it's fun to you know you don't always talk this long with a buddy and no and i really enjoyed this this time with you and good yeah appreciate man love you and yeah love you we too got brother. On the golf course soon absolutely thanks for thanks for taking the time means a lot means a lot um as you know as we get older and our kids get more involved the the, the ability to sit down with a dude and have a conversation and a drink or two is fleeting so uh, I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Um, and yeah, hopefully everybody had fun listening to this. I, I know I did. I uh, had fun having the conversation. So yeah, like, comment, share, subscribe, do whatever. Um, yeah, until next time, be good. Peace.